Luke 18 and verse 1. And I want to share with you as we get started today, before we read something that happened to me on uh, Friday. Friday I had put in to be off from work because it was my birthday. Uh, speaking of that, today is Andrew's birthday. So we'll sing to him at the end maybe. Heather was going to play on the piano, but I let her get away. So happy birthday to Andrew. But uh, he and I are two years and two days apart. And now you're thinking, really? You're only two years older than Andrew? <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, but anyway, so my birthday was Friday. And I took off work. Because if you have a Friday birthday, you really don't want to work, right? And so uh, Kelly had done a great job just making sure I had a, a good day. I said, well, I think I want to go golf. And she's like, go have fun. So I went and I did that. It was just beautiful outside. It was cool. And they, they had just mowed everything at the course. And I even pulled up to one of the holes and I'm standing on the tee box and this deer just goes leaping across the fairway. And I was just like, this is just the greatest thing ever. And so I go home and they're going to be leaving in just a little bit. Um, to take Abby to Hope for her driver's test. Kelly said, would you, would you mind? Abby wants to go take this. If we go and do this on your birthday, I'll take her. I'll take Luke. Caleb will be at school. You would be home by yourself. I'm like, I guess that would be okay if you did that. And so I get home and she's like, I'm going to go pick up you some lunch because it's your birthday. And I'm like, man, it's awesome. And she said, well, I have one thing to tell you. And I was like, what? She's like, I hate to tell you this on your birthday, but the dryer broke this morning. And I was like, what? She's like, it's just broken. It won't work. It won't come on. You push the, you turn the thing, you push the button and nothing. It won't come on. And I was like, really dryer on my birthday? But so I'm like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll figure it out. So she brings me lunch. I had a great lunch. Um, fish plate from Cardinal Cafe. I'm loving life. And so then it's like, all right, I'm ready now. I've had a good morning. I've had my lunch. I'm going to attack this dryer. And again, not working at all. Uh, and I'm not a handyman by any means, uh, not even close. I've just learned a few things through trial and error and error and error and error, uh, a, a few things to check. So I start taking everything off uh, the back of the dryer. I had to move it out by myself. It's this big, you, you have one, right? You're familiar. <laughs> it's this big, huge metal thing, gets hot, dries the clothes. And I move it out and I take the back off. And after just a little bit of checking, I found what the problem was. And in the end, this is what was wrong with the dryer. Now, you may not be able to see it in the back. This little tiny piece, it's called a thermal fuse. This is what was wrong. And by God's grace, I happen to have one of these at my house. Anybody got one of these at your house? An extra? No, right? Because my, the reason I had one, my dryer had torn up, messed up, stopped working a couple of years ago. And I, that's when I learned through error and error and error and error. I tried every single thing. And somebody said, well, sometimes it's this and it's a really easy fix. You can get on Amazon for less than $10. And so I'd ordered a little repair kit. It had a couple of things in it. One of them was this little bitty thermal fuse. And it wasn't what was wrong with it at that time. That time, the thing almost brought me to tears. But so I happened to have this and I put it on and I was like, well, let's see. And I hook it back up and it's running. It's just drying clothes like nobody's business. But it, it, it kind of stood out to me that this little bitty thing, this one, you know, could keep something that big from working. It's this big, huge thing. Again, it gets really hot in there. It's got a motor. You know, it's spinning. It's turning a lot of electricity power coming to it. You know, it's got the big plug, not a little plug. It's got the big plug going to it. But this little bitty thing kept it 
from working. And what it does is there's a connection that it makes all the power running through that dryer passes through this little connection and it's meant to go out if something's wrong uh, or it sometimes it just gets too old. But it's if there is a safety precaution and it breaks the circuit of the power where it stops right there and it doesn't do what it was meant to do, what it was supposed to do, that little bitty piece. And, and it's so weird how something so big can be thrown off and stopped in its tracks. I mean, it was basically useless without that little piece working and being active. And it made me think about what we talked about last week when Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, if you have just a little bit of faith, then you can say to this tree, be uprooted, right? Which to them, again, would have been a miraculous feat. It would be to us if you just said to it, be uprooted. But we've seen a tree be pulled up, be uprooted. We've got all kinds of machines that can do that. But faith can cause that uprooting to occur. Faith, which seems so small, but it gives me the ability to have access to God's power in my life. If I don't have it, it's impossible to please God. If I don't have this little piece and have it working, it's impossible for my dryer to dry anything. It won't do anything. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And what we're talking about today is going to connect to this so well. Faith gives us the ability to please God, to see things that would otherwise be unchangeable, inoperable, immovable, to be able to be uprooted and be cast away. So today we're going to be in Luke 18, verse 1 through 8. And I want to show you how this connects to faith. I want to read it first. It says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story, a parable, to show that they should always pray and never give up. He said there was a certain judge, there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you illuminate it for us this morning. Teach us how we should always pray and never give up in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Jesus is teaching the story. And you may, we, we, we went to this passage when we went through our series on prayer about this time last year. I know you all remember that one. 
uh, this time last year when we went through this passage. And I was like, hey, that's cool. God, I've already got notes on this. This will be, is it the same? Can we do the same thing? And just to show you how scripture, even though it's the same story, it's going to be a different look at it today than it was then. Same truth, but just from a different perspective, because not every moment is the same and scripture is alive. It said in verse one that Jesus told them this story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And there's two characters in this little short story that he told. There's the judge and the widow. The judge, Jesus called him unjust. That word means it's, it's, it's the epitome of wrong, of unrighteous. unrighteous and wrong in his character, in his life, in his actions. He's just wrong. He doesn't do the right things. He does the wrong things, not right. It says he neither feared God or cared about people, which is going to be important to the story because the thought of God wasn't going to motivate him. The thought of eternity, the thought of where I'm going to be for eternity, the thought of divine punishment or disobeying God. None of that mattered to him. He didn't fear God and people weren't going to motivate him either. This was a widow. Did that motivate him? Nope, sure didn't. Maybe who her husband was would motivate him. Nope, because he doesn't care about people. The fact that injustice had been done to her didn't bother him because he didn't fear God or care about people. He was unjust. And then you have the widow. She's a widow. Obviously, her husband has died. So her standing in the community, if it's not gone, has been greatly diminished, especially at that time. So she's without reputation. It doesn't tell us what her name is. Doesn't tell us who she is in the community other than that. She's a widow. And because her husband had died, especially in their culture, it had taken away any authority or direct protection that she would have had. She would have been dependent on others. And obviously, because of that, they were often taken advantage of in society. They were targets for that because, hey, there's not a man around who, if I wrong her, will come and kill me. <laughs> right. That that is uh, deterrent. This person could kill me because, you know, this was before firearms. Obviously, now there's women can figure out a way to kill you. You watch TV, you see that. Uh, But this was before then. And so obviously not not the strength there uh, to be intimidating. And she came asking for justice and injustice had been done to her. She said, my enemy has dealt with me unjustly. I want you to work justice in this situation and not for who I am, not because of my standing, not because of who her husband was, not because of something she had done or something she hadn't done, but for justice sake alone. That was the only argument that she made is this has been an injustice has been committed against me. Work justice in my case, because right is right and wrong is wrong. Calling for justice. And it said that she was constantly requesting. So this was regular. It was in front of his eyes and in his ears. She just kept on and kept on and kept on. I need justice in this situation. A wrong has been committed. It has to be made right over and over and over. And in this story that Jesus crafted, this unjust judge works justice for the widow in the end. Why? Because of persistence alone. That's the reason. That's the only reason. Because of her persistence. He says she's driving me crazy with her constant 
requests. I'm going to make sure she gets justice because she is wearing me out. Her request was justice and she's asking for it over and over and over, even though she didn't get it the last however many times that she asked. She continued to come and continued to put that before him. Again, her request was justice for justice sake, because right is right and wrong is wrong. Now, remember the judge we, we see in verse two and we see in verse four didn't fear God and he didn't care about people. So he wasn't concerned with any good favor this may earn him in the community. He didn't care. He didn't, wasn't, wasn't concerned with what God would think about how he treated this woman. That didn't matter to him, but he still saw that she got justice. Again, he ignored her for a while, showing he didn't care, but he finally said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. He wasn't good. He wasn't kind. He didn't fear God, didn't care about people. She didn't have any standing in the community, didn't have any claim uh, besides just that justice should be done because an injustice has occurred. And why did he act? Because she was persistent, because she didn't stop. She kept bringing it up over and over and over. The only thing that moved the judge in this story was her persistent calls for justice. So righteous persistence caused and motivated an unjust judge to work justice for this woman. And then look what Jesus said, starting in verse six. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Well, what's the lesson we're supposed to learn? That we should always pray and never give up, right? It told us that at the beginning. Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? He says, don't you think that God will? God who isn't unjust, God, who isn't an unrighteous judge, will give justice, it says, to those to his chosen ones who cry out day and night, reminding us that when we pray and we bring our needs and our concerns and our injustices before God, that those prayers aren't lost. They're not just floating around. He didn't he didn't miss one. We're not going to get one in our returned mail. The prayers of his people for wrongs to be made right and justice to be done aren't ignored by God like they were ignored by the unjust judge. Right. So he ignored her as long as he could, because our God isn't an unjust judge. He's holy and righteous and he is a good father. We we have something that the widow didn't have. Right. We have standing in the kingdom, not I, but through Christ in me. I have standing 
in the kingdom and he has compassion. What the, the unjust judge didn't have towards the widow, God the Father has towards us. He has compassion. It's literally the opposite of every detail of the story. And yet the lesson that Jesus wants us to learn is about persistence. He still endorses persistence. He says, I'm going to tell you this story, unjust judge, but God is just. And it was a woman who had no standing, but you have standing. And he ignored her, but God doesn't ignore you. And he didn't have compassion for her, but God has compassion on you. And all of those things are different. And yet he still endorses persistence. He values persistence. He says, I'm going to tell you a story about why you should always pray and never give up. Persistence. What are we to focus this persistence, this prayer on taking the wrongs in life to God to be righted and for justice to be done? God, this isn't right. It shouldn't be this way. Injustice has occurred. It shouldn't be this way. And like we talked about last week, when we come to him by faith, that little peace in our life. that seems small, but it's very powerful. When we come to him by faith, we believe first that he's there. Right. It says those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We believe that he's there. We believe he's almighty. We believe that he has compassion and that our prayer of God, this isn't right, it's not supposed to be this way, isn't lost into the air. And we persistently bring our cares and our worries and our concerns to him because he cares for us. That's what scripture tells us. Now in the story, the woman won something with the judge by her persistence. That's not the way that it works with us. She won something with the judge by her persistence. Our persistence in pursuing God doesn't win us something with him. It's not like he's saying, doggone it. Stephen keeps praying about this dryer. I'm just going to fix it. Right. He doesn't say, Stephen is wearing me out. I'm tired of hearing him just bad, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm just going to fix it so he'll be quiet. He doesn't say that. So persistence doesn't win me something with him. It wins something in me for him. It doesn't win me a spot with him. It doesn't win me his attention. It wins something on the inside of me over to him. So my persistence, instead of swaying him, actually sways me because it doesn't change the way that he sees me or that he sees the situation. He can see everything. He can see right and wrong. He can look at it and go, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. It's not like he didn't notice and I brought it to his attention. It doesn't change the way he sees me or my situation, but it changes the way I see him and the way that I see the world. God, it's not supposed to be like this. This is wrong. It's not supposed to be like this. And you're the only one who's able to do something about it. And when I take that to him over and over and over, it reinforces this is not right, which means there is a right. And you're the only one who's right. You're the only one that can do something about this. So it, it, it just enforces to me over and over and over what right is and what wrong looks like. And that he is the God who is above all things. Right. So Saturday I said we're going to have a, a memorial service for Miss Callie. I'm going to stand in a cemetery 
And I'm going to talk about how this isn't right. It's not right that this place exists. It shouldn't exist. It shouldn't be here. Death shouldn't be involved in our life. We know that it's not right. We know that it's wrong. And we know that he's going to, in the end, completely and totally show us death being defeated and the power of the resurrection. It's just a reminder. It's not supposed to be this way. We're not supposed to go out in weakness because regardless of when we leave, we go out weak. Regardless of when we leave, we go out with how much? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's not right. It's not supposed to be this way, but there is one who is right and there is one who has the answer. And so I keep saying it over and over and over. It's not supposed to be this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that persistence wins something over in me to look more like him. Remember, faith is the way, seeing the way that God sees it's keep I keep calling wrong, wrong, and I see that he is able and he is good, and I see it by faith. So the next question is obvious as we think through this. If he knows what's wrong and what's right, what's bad and what's good, and he's called me to persist in coming to him, God, make the wrongs right, make the bad Good God, bring the change, bring your kingdom. Why doesn't he just do it? Why do I need to persist? Why wouldn't he just go? Yeah, you're right. Bang. Why wouldn't he just do that? And I see. Two reasons. Number one. What worth having comes easily. What worth having comes easily. We were talking about mowing the yard. Mowing the yard, having a mowed yard, that's worth having. You know what? It's not easy. It's not easy to get it done. You, you can make it as easy as you want to. It's still not going to be easy. Whether you're having to do it, you're paying somebody to do it. You're extending a burden to get it done. What worth having is easy. And then number two, this is why I believe he calls us to persistence. Even in these situations, when he is the answer, why, Stephen, why do I want you to persist? Here's, here's what I believe is that persistence against resistance, because if you're persisting, it's because there is resistance there. There's something pushing back. Persistence through resistance grows and builds endurance on the inside of me. Strength on the inside of me, the ability to endure on the inside of me. If I persist through that resistance, that's why we, when, when you lift weights, you start with 10 pounds and you can push through that and then you can move to 20. Why? Because I persisted through that resistance at first and now I've grown stronger. I can handle more than I could before. And he doesn't want us to be weak. He doesn't want us to be weak in this life. He doesn't want us to just be a babe in the woods for our whole life in him. Right. We got two little babies. I don't think they're both in here now. Oh, is he in here? Oh, good. I thought he got I thought he got kicked out. He's doing good. You're doing good, nephew. You're doing good. So we got these two little babies and you have to carry them everywhere. If you change their diapers, you have to feed them with a bottle. Right. 
And if you, you could keep doing that for a long time, you keep swallowing them up. But, you know, if you get a 10 year old and he's not walking around, he's not doing stuff, you're keeping him swallowed up, you're feeding him a bottle. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I guess it's OK. It's pretty easy for him. Right. We think we want easy. That would be pretty easy. He's not having to do anything. But is that best for him? Is that best if he's still doing that? Or is it better if he's built up some endurance, persisting against the resistance of life and growing to where he can actually one day walk around on his own, go to the kitchen, fix himself a chicken sandwich, right? Like, good job, buddy. You're doing good. Kind of made a mess, but we'll work on that next time. That's what he wants for us. It would be easier if he just said, Oh, you noticed you need that? Here it is. It would be easier for us, but it wouldn't be best because it would make us very, very weak. And we still live in a world that is contrary to the kingdom that's on the inside of us. And he wants what's best for us. So that's why he teaches us to persist, to always pray and to never, ever give up. Amen. One little thing, faith and persistence, one little seems so little in our life, seems so small. He said it can be the size of a grain of mustard seed. Well, that doesn't seem very important. You know what? We're modern. We're Americans. We're in the South. Bigger is better. Right. We can have it bigger. It needs to be bigger. But it's so small. One little thing. If it's not working correctly, it keeps the whole thing from functioning. And that's faith and persistence in our life. Why does he want us to always pray and never to give up? Because he knows we're going to be tempted to quit. He knows we're going to be tempted to go. No, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. He knows that we'll be tempted to quit and we can quit anytime, anytime. We want to quit a lot of times, don't we? When? When we get tired, when it's hard. It's like, I never thought it would be this hard to do this, this is difficult. I want to stop. I just want to stop. We get tired of the resistance. And again, we live in a world where there is a contrary force. We don't talk about it a lot. We just talk about making good decisions. But there is an evil in the world. Scripture says we have an enemy that roams about seeking whom he may destroy, seeking whom he may consume. There is a contrary opposing force and that can start to weigh on us and it can start to wear us down. And when we get tired, that's when we want to quit because we're being pushed against by this contrary force. We get down on ourselves because of that. We want to quit because we messed up. We messed up and it's like. I, I, it seems like it would be easier just to sit down, just to stop. It would be easier, but it wouldn't be best. It wouldn't even be good for us. But we get down on ourselves when we mess up, when we try to do it ourselves. When we're trying to push against that contrary force ourselves, it's always going to win every single time because we don't have enough strength on the inside of us alone to prevail, not even for a little bit. And so we feel like we're not good enough. 
And there's some shame and there's some guilt that comes along with that. I couldn't do it. I couldn't stand against the issue. I couldn't stand against the darkness of life, the evil that's in the world. So there must be something wrong with me. And obviously there is, which is why Jesus came. Sometimes it's pain, just outright, it's painful. Or anxiety. Listen, it's hard to be a person. Anybody here a person? It's hard to be a person. It is. This life will chew you up and spit you out. And there are things that we're dealing with now that people never dealt with before. I'm not saying it's harder now than ever before, but it's got its own specific type of difficulty to live in this modern world. One thing that they had that we don't have is there was this constant threat of death. You know, from whatever, from having to go out on the frontier and brave that or a a war going on and I might get drafted. There was this constant threat that kept them able to, I got to keep my head down and I got to keep going or else I might die. And then we have it so easy that we've developed all kinds of other problems because of that. Our comfort is afflicting us. And it's taken us where we're not faced with that, but we see this track that's laid out in front of us by culture and what we see on uh, cures that. And it stresses us in a way that I don't believe mankind has ever been stressed before. There are parts of us that are being tested that weren't ever tested this way before. It's hard to be a person. And so when we say that we we persist and we keep pushing, we're not talking about in our own strength or in ourselves. Like, I'm just going to keep trying hard. I'm just keep doing. I'm going to keep going. There is that to it. But what we're doing is we're pressing further into him. He's not saying persist. Just keep trying harder, Stephen. Just keep keep going. One day you'll get good at this. One day you'll get better at this because you may not. What it is, is I'm pressing into him. That's why he wanted me to always pray and never give up, persist in seeking him for the wrongs to be righted because that grows my faith and my vision of him. Remember, Jesus said, and Andrew, if you'll come up, we'll get ready to sing. After we pray here in a minute. But what did Jesus say in verse six? Of course, he told this story. To show them how they should always pray and never give up. He said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Don't you think God, I mean, if this unjust judge would, don't you think God is surely going to give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them and quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth? who have faith. Always pray, never give up. Won't he give justice? But look at what he goes to. He says, when the son of man, we're going to talk about that. It's what Jesus called himself. When the son of man returns. So you know what that tells me? It's like when, when all the wrongs are finally made right is when the son of man returns. He's like, justice is coming. Righteousness is coming in full. We have it in part now, but in full, full realization It's coming. But he said, when it comes, when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find those who persisted? Will he find those who kept pushing? Even those who the Bible says fell fell asleep. 
like Miss Callie, didn't see the Son of Man return here on earth, but persisted in belief her whole life long, all the way till the end. He'll find her faith on the earth. Will he find our faith on the earth? Those who persisted and kept pushing in spite of the resistance, kept following God, building up that endurance, growing their faith, the, the he can understanding that he will uh, guarantee being there. He wants us to always pray and to never, ever give up. Ever give up. So what we want to pray today is, God, show me when I've got something not working right. You know, we can get distracted and we think it's the big things. We think it's something, well, the dryer's broken. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. But maybe it's because of one little thing, one little piece to it. That just needs to be replaced, just needs that, just needs attention put on it. There's so many areas of our life that get turned upside down, big areas, big things. Just one little thing. One little thing stopping everything from working correctly. And we're going to pray that God show us what that is. Number one, we know we need to have faith. We need to, our faith needs to grow and increase. But I believe he's going to show you specific things It's like you overlook this. This seems like a small thing. This seems like an old thing, right? You, you, you've even forgotten that this was around, but this is stopping everything from working correctly. Little things can be making the whole thing not work right. God, show us what those are. And now things aren't easy for anybody. Again, it's hard being a person. And then sometimes it's really, really, really hard. We deal with very difficult things in life. And what he's telling us is don't stop pushing. Don't stop standing. Don't stop believing. Don't stop calling to him for justice and righteousness, for the kingdom to operate on the inside. You can look at it and go, God, this isn't right, but you are and I'm in you so I can be in this against this resistance without it overwhelming me. God, make this right. God, make this right and be OK if it doesn't happen like that. Sometimes we, we persist for days and weeks and months and years in certain situations, in certain areas. Why? I don't know. Other than he doesn't want us to be weak. He wants us to be able to stand firm and steadfast. He doesn't always tell us why, but he tells us what to do. And what did he say? Always pray and never give up and do it the right way. When you're facing that resistance, when you're facing that difficulty in life, if you do it the wrong way, you're going to hurt yourself. You know, when, that, when, when you talk about picking things up and they say lift with your legs and not your back. If why? Because if you do it with your back, you're going to hurt yourself. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. There's a right way and a wrong way to go through this life. The right way is not easier, but it's better. And it's letting faith stand in the middle and go, God, you are right and you are good, even though this that I'm dealing with isn't. 
whether it's pain and hurt in my body, pain or hurt in my mind, it's a social situation, it's a family situation, it's an issue that I've been dealing with for years, I can keep taking it to him and saying, God, this isn't right, but you are. And I know you've given me the faith to be able to look to you when I can't see any other way out. I know that you are the best way and I'm gonna keep on keeping on. I'm not gonna let this stop me. I'm not gonna let this pull me away from you, but I'm gonna push through it towards you. Amen. There's a right way and a wrong way. And he's given us a spirit of faith, a measure of faith on the inside to be able to see him as he is. He is God. He is almighty. And he is compassionate. He's not like the unjust judge. And yet he calls us to persist. Always pray and never give up. Amen. Why don't you stand up with me? We'll close in prayer and then we'll sing together. Father in heaven, you're good. Thank you for your holy scripture so that we can see you more clearly. You said there in that first verse, Holy Spirit, that he told them this story so that they would always pray and never give up because you knew we would want to. You knew we'd want to throw our hands up You knew we would want to stop. You knew we would want to give up when it got hard. But all the difficulties in our life can point us to you. Our need for you. Our deep and abiding need for you. That we'll never get to the point where we don't need you. And I thank you that you've made yourself available. I thank you that we'll build endurance as we persist, as we press into you in spite of resistance, that endurance will build up on the inside of us. The testing of our faith will produce patience and that patience will work in us what you have designed it to do. Lord, life can be so hard sometimes. It can be so hard most of the time. I thank you that we're not in it alone, that we're not without hope in you. And you've given us faith to be able to see heaven while our feet are on the earth and know that you are God almighty and you are there for us. You will give us strength that is sufficient for each day. Not that we find in ourselves, but that we only find in you. I thank you that you graciously give that to us through Jesus Christ. That it's by faith that we have access into your grace in which we can stand and stand firm. Lord, we want to always pray. Help us do it. We want to always look to you as our source for righteousness and peace. Give us the strength to do it. Lord, we never want to give up. We want to keep pressing towards you when the Son of Man returns. He'll find faith on the earth. Let him find it in us. That when we grow weary in doing good, that we'll remember that the seeds have been planted and the harvest is coming in. We thank you. We love you, Lord. Bless your people today as we go. Thank you that you protect us and keep us safe. Lord, relieve us of this virus. And we pray, Lord, for our leaders as they lead us through these uncharted territories. I thank you that they will look to you 
that our nation will turn to you, that it will repent of its sin. The individuals, God, but our nation will turn to you and that you'll heal our land. God, that the church will stand and persist and hold back darkness and evil so that your light will shine and draw many, many home. Thank you that as we go through this week, you give us what we need every day because you love us so much. We look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name.